Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Stamford, Connecticut. Last episode, we teased a new member of the Premier Chels team, and today we are announcing that new member. Some of you are familiar with Alex Mingola, but for those of you who are not, we are welcoming him permanently to the Chelsea, Premier Chels family. Alex, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you very much, guys. Happy to be on. Excited to have you here. Rahul, I know you're super excited as well. I am excited. We've turned his loan signing into a permanent deal. So welcome, Alex. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. So we have a lot to cover today, gentlemen. I'm excited to have Alex here to bring his perspective. Rahul, you and I always have great discussions here. So we're going to start off with a little bit of a negative note, and that was the Chelsea versus West Brom game. And for those of our fans in the U.S., it was a difficult one, not only because we had to wake up early to watch this game, but the nature of the way it went down. So, Rahul, starting off with you, why don't you take us through the starting lineup? So, Mendy in goal, as we said, Espelicueta comes back. Thiago Silva making his return from injury, which was good to see for a little bit. Kurt Zuma comes in for Rudiger, uh, Reese James, Jorginho, Kovacic, and Alonso in midfield, and then Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner were in the attack. Yeah, so every week we say it, you know, strong squad. Alex, any thoughts on the squad here? Um, I don't think you can fault anyone uh, for the squad there. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. so, you know, maybe you say, oh, should Silva have, have been starting? He's so rusty. But you know what? You have to bring these players back into the team at some point. He was obviously fantastic when he was fit. Um, so, you know, I think I think things went down a little poorly. But you can't – putting out that lineup, you have to be beating the 19th place uh, team. So no fault of Tuchel's there, in my opinion. Very fair argument there. And let's just dive into the elephant in the room here, guys with Thiago Silva getting sent off very, very early on in that first half. I believe it was the 20th or 25th minute, something like that. And that really shaped the game, right, Rahul? It did. I mean, Tuchel said it too after his after the game that he saw the game in two portions. It was 11 and 11 and then uh, 11 against 10. And we were kind of in control. I know there was an early let off from... Uh, West Brom that led to Silva's first yellow card uh, where he brings down one of their players and I thought that could have been easily a red for him so lucky to get away with the yellow but so early in the half that always leaves you open to getting a second yellow and getting sent off and that's that's what happened. I have to be honest and I think I say this every week now for those early games I did not watch it in real time but I did come back and watch the highlights. I must say I'm grateful I did not wake up to watch this game but I think you're being a little bit kind, Rahul. I don't think we were that good. Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think you could see from the beginning that we weren't quite at the same level that we have uh, hit in past matches. Obviously, the Pulisic goal, for me, uh, was personally a great thing to see. Um, but it did feel like one of those games where even if we're not playing our best, the quality of our players could carry us. Um, I think that's something you see with all top teams. They have to be putting in in results even when they're not at their absolute best. And barring the Silva cards, I think this is a game that we would have won 2-0, 3-1. I think we would have just slowly over the course of the game uh, outclassed West Brom. Um, But, you know, it's 
you, you, there's all, it's always what could have been there because the, the Silva sending off. And I think, um, as uh, Tuchel discussed, that was a lot, a lot of that wasn't his own fault. Uh, Jorginho certainly was getting some blame there. I think that just certainly altered it. And maybe you can beat a team like West Brom, um, even if you're not at your best when it's 11 v 11, um, but 11 v 10, a man down, uh, you really have to be on top of your game. And we were not. You said Jorginho was not at his best there. I have to bite my tongue so hard because Rahul knows I'm not the biggest fan of Jorginho <laughs> and everybody knows he's not my uh, my cup of tea. But no, this is some good initial discussion. Rahul, do you want to run us through some of the main items that happened in that first half? Because there were some key moments and Jorginho did play a part in it, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the first yellow, like we said, is the is the main starting point of the first half where... Is a loose ball from Jorginho given away in midfield, leads to an attack towards the defense of our team. Uh, lucky bounce for the player off of Zuma, and he's about to you know, pull the trigger and Silva brings him down first yellow. That's fine. Uh, in between all of that, Pulisic does get the goal, like Alex said, which was good to see because he was sharp and aware to, to pounce on the save from the West Brom goalie. And at that point, like Alex said, you feel like, okay, we've gotten that goal. The next thing is we get a second one and kill this game. But then comes the second yellow, not the second goal. And that changes everything. And the the most concerning thing for me was how quickly we just fell apart after the sending off. It wasn't that West Brom were playing exceptionally well. We just started making simple mistakes that we haven't made for the last 14, 15 games and they just took their chances and turned into a prime, prime Barcelona team <laughs> that, you know, stakes their chances and scores. And 1-0 soon became 2-1 at the end of the first half. Yeah, and credit to Pereira. I actually had him in my fantasy Premier League early on, and he was pretty quiet. But for this game, he was really clinical in the chances that he received, especially the one that he dinked over Mendy. Now, I got a question for you, Alex. This is an interesting statement Rahul just made as we've been pretty solid for the last 14 or so games over the last few months. In fact, Tuchel just picked up Manager of the Month Award and he's proud of his defensive abilities with the team. Do you think that the international break had anything to do with this? And we talked about Thiago being rusty, but when players go away and break their rhythm, I'm wondering if that affected how we performed. Yeah, I think I think it always does to some degree. And that's where sometimes a team in bad form goes into the international break and it's a, a very uh, welcome period for them to sort of reset things. Um, and I think that happens with really any break in play. You, you saw, for example, um, last season when Liverpool were champions, they were absolutely flying. And then after COVID hit and there was that big break before Project Restart, they came back and they were losing game after game. Uh, it was honestly quite... Uh, shameful some of the displays they were putting in for uh, the shouts they've been getting as being all oh, the best team in premier league history for some of their fans so i think i think any sort of break in play like that it's always gonna uh, it's always gonna hurt or maybe threaten the teams that are in good form uh before the break like chelsea a lot more than the ones who are uh perfectly happy to have a bit of a, a rest so and I think you see as well, when you have a, a top club like Chelsea, those players are going to be playing during the international break. All of them um, are of the quality that they could be called up to their uh, national teams. We saw players like Pulisic, for example, um, putting in some serious shifts for the U.S. And 
for Pulisic personally, I think that was good um, because he gained some confidence that he might not have had uh, with Chelsea before the break. But then again, you see he he strains his hamstring a bit. Luckily, it, it sounds like he's okay now. But I even think uh, with with the the butterfly effect that the beautiful game is, maybe if you'd had him on the field for the second half, as was clearly the intention, he can grab us a goal out of nothing. It's 2-2. And then maybe we dig in and, and we're more resolved to see out a, a decent result, get a point at least. So I mean, I, it's a shame. It's a shame that we had to go in off that, as you said, manager of the month. Um, we had a great unbeaten streak, great defense. And, you know, you, you, you have to wonder whether we could have kept that momentum had there not been the break. Speaking of manager of the month, Rahul, I think this is a question I need some help answering. Did Tuchel get it right by taking off Hakim Ziyech and bringing on Andreas Christensen? Now, in most games, you would say, sure, we want to go back and stabilize the ship. But we could see we were having a lot of issues there and potentially we needed to get another goal. Thoughts on that one? I think he got that first substitution right. I mean, his whole goal was to keep that defensive shape, keep those three defenders together. And Christensen gives you that option, easily slots in for Silva. And I think that was the right sub I not sure the final sub, and we'll get to that when we talk about the second half, was the right one. Uh, but from the perspective that we were 1-0 up, we needed to defend our lead and do it well with 10 men at that point. I think that was the right sub. Yeah, yes. I, I agree with that just uh, briefly. I think I, I don't think Ziek adds anything defensively, so you have to see it from a perspective of um, so far we've kept them quiet. It's You would expect a team like Chelsea with the quality of players we have um, to be able to maintain our defensive structure without one attacker. Uh, I'm not sure whether you would trust us to maintain that structure without a defender. So I, I agree with you there, Rahul. Yeah, you guys bring some strong points up in the fact that the team and the way we're positioned, and okay, he brings on Christensen, we shouldn't be conceding goals at the very least. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Um, in this particular instance, Raul, why don't you jump straight into the second half and talk a little bit about some of the substitutions that were trying to happen? Alex already touched on Christian Pulisic's injury. Yeah, so that was a confusing one. I I was watching it and I see Pulisic come off and everyone's a little surprised because that seems like the wrong substitution. But later at the end of the game, you find out. And in fact, we put up the clip on our Instagram that he comes out, Pulisic comes out, runs onto the field and suddenly pulls a, a, suddenly feels a pull in his hamstring and comes right back to the bench and says, guys, I think I need to come off, which credit to him didn't want to make it worse. He could have easily been like, you know what? I haven't been getting too many minutes. This is my chance. I'll just play and, and see what happens, which could have ended up a lot worse. So he comes off and Mount ends up coming on for him instead of Timo Werner. And we see Werner running onto the field like last minute, which was kind of funny. But there was nothing else funny about this half because West Brom came out strong, smelt blood and went for it. Made it 3-1 from a beautiful goal from Callum Robinson made it 4-1. We pull a goal back, which we'll touch on through Mount, but should Werner have scored? I'll let Alex answer that in a second. And then it becomes 5-2. So disheartening to see that we just fell apart the way we did, but it's a lesson and a wake-up call that you know we need at this point. So I want to put a pin in the Werner situation because I think that's a really good discussion point, but I want to talk about Christian Pulisic since we have Alex here. And Alex is the Christian Pulisic expert 
Christian Pulisic is a talent, no doubt about it. In fact, he's becoming one of my favorite Chelsea players because whenever I see him, the explosion of pace, the trickery, the quality that he brings. Should we, as a Chelsea podcast, of course, we talk all, all things Premier League, but also as fans of the Premier League, be worried about the injuries that Christian Pulisic picks up? Um, I think, I think there's, there's a yes and a no to that, where certainly we need to worry about when he's injured. I think it's never good having, having recurring issues with the same muscle. Um, it's never good being out for prolonged spells. Um, but I don't think, I, I think we don't need to write him off as fully injury prone or that he'll never be able to lock down a consistent spot because I do think there is something to be said for, um, I believe Rahul touched on it earlier. The, the fact that he didn't try to push through when he felt that his hamstring might be shaky for the second half, I thought was good. I think with all of these injuries, they're so frustrating because we've seen what he can do at his peak and we want him to just be out there fully fit, doing what he does best and creating chances and, you know, just being a constant threat as he is. But I do think there's something to be said for the progression of having longer term injuries to now maybe missing a game or two here and there. Maybe he has to come out for the second half, but he's noticing these things a little quicker. Um, you would hope he's being put on uh, better training regimens and, and physical therapy routines. I'm sure he is at a top club like Chelsea um, with the resources they've got. So I, I was, I was encouraged by the fact that he came off himself um, and it didn't take a, you know, he didn't try to push through it. I think he's still young. People forget um, just how young he is. He's obviously still learning. I'm sure he's learning. Athletes are learning just as much about how to manage their, their body, their habits. You see Tiago Silva still trying to, to uh, maintain himself at this level. Um, I mean, I know he does hours of, of personal physical therapy and like oxygen chambers and, and leg compression devices. He does so much stuff off the pitch as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's fair for us all to worry, but I, if, if this kind of injury that happened to him recently is what's to come, if every few games he has to come out for the second half because he doesn't want to push himself too hard, I'm, I'm going to take that as, as a positive going forward. So I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping no more long-term injuries for the near future. Yeah. I appreciate your perspective there. I think it's something that I don't think about because I get super excited to see Christian Pulisic. I think on his day and Chelsea, to be fair, have a whole plethora of attacking talent. And I think on his day, he's probably one of our best. I think I've seen him at times and he looks like prime Aiden Hazard when he's in his really, really good runs and dribbles and things like that. So I agree with you. If he can stay fit and we can have him string four, five, six games together, he really can be one that can tear up the Premier League and, and other competitions to come. But I want to jump back to Timo Werner, Rahul. So I heard that Timo Werner was pulled out of the shower and had to come back to play because he was actually substituted, like you said, and he came sprinting back down. Now we lost the game ultimately, but we did get one back in the form of Mason Mount. The goal was made by Timo Werner, but talk me through that goal and talk me through your thoughts on why Timo should have scored. It was, I mean, we, at that point we're four, one down. And so we needed that goal and it comes through from Alonso and it's literally at any point you would think Timo's just going to tap this in, put it under the goalie and put it in. 
And for some reason, I mean, I think we know at this point what that reason is. It's the lack of confidence. It's the horrible memories of missing goal after goal from this season. He takes a touch, stops the ball, and then suddenly just lays it off from Mason Mount, who's running in. And Mount at that point really has no choice but to just tap it in and, and make a move because West Brom players and defenders are closing in, trying to block the ball off the line. And it goes in and it becomes 4-2. But then you're thinking about it and you're like, Timo Werner is a striker. A striker thrives off scoring goals. Yet he decided to take a touch. And that's the most concerning thing for me is we've said time after time he keeps trying, he makes those efforts. But this was the first time I saw that everything's catching up to him and he'd rather make an assist than get a goal for himself. We've talked about this where we try and push a player through what they're going through. And in this case, Timo Werner, where he's not necessarily putting the goals in the net, but we say persist with him, persist with him, persist with him. Okay, he got an assist today. That's good. But don't you guys think, and this is a really open question to either of you, at some point, we just have to let Timo sit down for a little bit. And when I say sit down, it doesn't mean he doesn't come on in the second half, get 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. But I feel as just a fan on the side, he has a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Every press conference, they talk about Timo Werner. And this is going back to making a little bit of comparison here with when Frank Lampard didn't play Christian Pulisic in the beginning when he came across. He gave him a good amount of time, got the spotlight off of him, got some time for him to settle in, and then he just blew up into the player we know he can be. What do you guys think? Is is that something Tuchel should be looking to do with Werner? Um, I mean, I guess just to to, to address the, the in-game situation, I, I certainly see the point there um, that, as as both of you have said, he, he's lacking in confidence, and you you really want your striker, especially if you're trying to to push them to gain confidence, you need them to be putting goals in the net. Um, I will say, to play the devil's advocate, I think if that's Manchester City scoring the goal, and certainly this comes from the fact that that those players are proven, we know they score for fun when they want. But if it's Manchester City putting it in, you praise their composure and you say, oh, how composed he was to give it to the the player with with a better tap-in chance or something like that. I think if Werner's not struggling for confidence, you see that and you say, brilliant play, well done. He wasted the defender. The defender tried to slide tackle and ended up on his butt. Uh, keeper keeper couldn't get there. They couldn't recover. But I agree, it's, it's given the fact that he's not in form, it's... I mean, that goal could have maybe started, uh, sparked a bit of confidence that pulls him out of his slump and then creates another chance and then another. So I think, I think if, if Warner's in form, there's no issue with that. Um, and I personally still don't have a huge problem because, you know, if the ball goes in, the ball goes in. If every single time Warner gets the ball, he scores or assists, we're happy. But I think the issue is that we do need the ball to be going in more than it is. He doesn't always have someone with the work rate of Mount ready to follow those opportunities in. Um, so, you know, as, as you were saying, Jackie, I think, I think there is a point where you have to say maybe Abraham, who has uh, our best goals to minutes ratio, I, I don't know, is he still our top scorer? Um, maybe he needs to, to get a run in and, and show Warner how it's done. Who are you talking about, Alex? <laughs> I'm joking. I know you're talking about Tammy. <laughs> yeah. Just haven't seen him for so long. It's It's been crazy that he's just not featured. So, I mean, guys, that's a good transition, right? To talk about Tammy Abraham here. Ultimately, Chelsea lost the game 5-2. Not a good day at the office. We can kind of understand that 
a red card happened. We are a quality side, so losing 5-2 is a little concerning, but I'm not going to look too much into it. Let's go into the Porter game and, and reset. But I do want to talk about Tammy Abraham for a minute. Alex, you mentioned it, that he is our top scorer. He still is our top scorer, considering how much talent we've brought in, different goal scorers on the bench and whatnot. Rahul, you said, who are we talking about? Why is Tammy Abraham not playing? I mean, look, he's been injured, but he didn't go on international break. So he basically got two weeks to recover. He wasn't on the bench. So there's another name we need to talk about that was on the bench and didn't come on. But it's getting to a point where I am beginning to be worried about Tammy Abraham and his future at the club because I think his last appearance was a first half uh, against, I forget who it was, but he came off. And then since then, he's just been frozen out. Injury, non-injury, don't know the full story, but that's concerning because he can score the goals. He can get into positions where he can finish it off first time, like we're saying about Timo Werner, and he hasn't gotten a look in. And for me as a fan, I'm thinking, well, that's got to be it, especially with the names that were linked with in the summer, Lukaku, Holland. This is a guy who's 22, 23. He's not just going to sit around and sit on the bench and wait for his turn he wants to be scoring he wants to go to the euros with england which he may not do at this point so that's got to be disheartening for him and as a fan of chelsea and the academy here's a player that i'd love to see succeed with us but he's just not getting into the team what's interesting is that Giroud's contract and i think that's the man you want to talk about next expires at the end of the summer tammy abraham's contract expires in 2023 So it's at that point here where Chelsea have to make a decision. Do they give him that contract extension because you don't want to get to the last season and lose him? Or are they getting to a point where they decide he's not the man for us and we need to do something this summer? And and, and by the way, if they need to do something this summer where they're going to sell him, you need to play him so people can see what he can do so you can get a good offer in. So I'm just wondering what the thoughts are. Is Is this in Tuchel's hands alone or is there something going on in the background with the Chelsea board? I mean, I think a lot of the narrative that was coming was that, uh, at least when Tuchel was appointed, was that he's being brought in to bring out the best in Werner and Havertz. Um, I think, obviously, he's a quality coach in general. There's, I, I don't think that's the only reason they picked him. I don't think that should be the only reason he's here. Um, but I'm sure there was there was a bit of a, I'm sure there was a bit of a push from the board. Um, to, you know, really see if you can, if you can help, help Warner break this slump, really see if you can bring out the best in these players. But, you know, for that reason, I think no matter what, we're at a stage in the season where you need to be playing the players who are going to get you the results. And even we saw last year, um, at the end of the season, it was Giroud, uh, who was pulling us right into the top four. And Lampard said, you know what, this is the guy who's getting the job done. And Pulisic, for example, Um, was just putting in those performances that were that were dragging us right to the finish line so it was Giroud and Pulisic who I think largely were uh, instrumental in in helping us get to the point that we're even playing in this competition this year so it's you know I think it's something where you have to you have to realize that at a certain point club politics have to be put aside Uh, the the desire to get Werner into form has to be put aside and we just have to finish the season strong. And I, I do think that might mean playing either of these two more physical strikers. Um, and, and maybe that means altering our attack style a little bit. But I think you have to do what you have to do to, to really finish strong. 
Rahul, your thoughts on this situation? No, I 100% agree with Alex. We've got to play the players that are going to get you the goals that are top scorer in Tammy Abraham and Giroud, who scored a wonder goal against Atletico and then just hasn't gotten looking. And that's fine when you're getting the results like you have been, but when you're losing 5-2 at home and you have a striker that could maybe start occupying some of the defenders and, and bringing people into the game and then you decide to bring Havertz on, that's when us fans have to ask the questions. None of us are doubting Tuchel. We're still on the Tuchel train like we have been and are hoping and praying that he gets the results, he gets the time to make the impact that he wants to, but you're not going to be getting that time to make the impact if you're losing 5-2 to the 19th place team in the Premier League. Yeah, I think that's the biggest disappointment we can take away from this. And I don't want to keep going on with West Brom unless you guys have any more points to make. But at the end of the day, going down to 10 men, it is unfortunate, but we were 1-0 up and ended up losing 5-2. And that's a hard one to let sink in. But usually I ask a question, guys, if there's a man of the match in this game. I don't know if I should be asking that, but maybe you guys have uh, some thoughts on that. For me, it's got to be Kovacic, and I say that only because in that second half, he put everything out there to get us back into the game, and it just didn't happen. But you could see the effort in one of the only few people that was trying to to change the results. So for me, it's Kovacic. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that one. And these brutally underrated by by Chelsea fans and by fans of other clubs. I've had a a certain Liverpool friend telling me that Wijnaldum is at his level, which I think is laughable, you know, respect Wijnaldum, but Kovacic is just, he offers absolutely everything minus the goal threat. But as I was explaining to people, it's, you know, you don't, you don't expect N'Golo Conte to go out there and score goals. There are players who you expect to go out and score goals. Um, and when you bring absolutely everything to a midfield uh, like Kovacic does, I think you've just got to be commended for that. I would love to see him, um, in a consistent midfield partnership uh, with consistent class players around him, because um, I think he could he he could be huge going forward, just as he was uh, trying to do uh, with very little support in that game. Yeah, I think you guys have brought up some great points, but at the risk of getting stuck on West Brom, maybe it's time to move on. And Raul, I think you have some news coming from the training ground for us. Yes, I do. So this news broke Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening in in the UK, and that was two players that were not involved in the game at all had an incident in the training ground on Sunday. And these two are Kepa and Rudiger, who, as you may have seen already by now, that there was an incident in training, there was a tackle put in, and Kepa felt it was too rough and spoke up against Rudiger and there was some heated moment and exchanges between them. Rudiger was then sent inside the training ground and then home uh, to defuse the situation. And Tuchel touched on it today in his press conference, but very classy as usual. I think it's got to commend Tuchel on his ability to handle the press and diffuse situations that such as this that come up and are reported. The, my biggest concern is who is spilling these these rumors and news um, pieces to the press because there seems to be a lot of this happening recently and it doesn't help the narrative and the the you know the culture that Tuchel is trying to build at the club but it's been put behind them and hopefully we see us moving on and, and getting the results that we want in the next couple of weeks yeah and I for one take some of these 
news articles or these information coming out of the field as a, a little bit of grain of salt because usually they get blown up more than they need to be. I think sometimes in training, it's okay to get a little bit of passion and a little bit of aggression to show that you actually care about the training session and trying to make yourself better. As long as that's all it is, it's a training session and doesn't bleed onto the field. Now, good news is Kappa or bad news, I guess, isn't our first choice goalkeeper. So it's not going to affect necessarily the on-field chemistry, but again, you want that cohesive team mentality. And I think as long as it doesn't bleed over into the, to the live games, it should be okay. Yeah, and I think as as you said, I one of my friends asked me how how worried I was about that, and frankly, as you said, Keppa, he's not our he's not our starting goalkeeper. This is for, as of that game, it was a feud between bench players. Um, so, but you know, it's I, I'm sure this happens at other clubs. Um, I'm sure for for every Chelsea incident that's reported, it's happened at ten other clubs with the exact same intensity, but just hasn't been reported on. Um, but the, the Chelsea name gets clicks because we're, we're a massive team and you know, that's, that's what journalists feed on. So I'm, I'm not too worried about this. If we hear uh, repeated uh, repeated stories of brawls breaking out on the training ground, maybe you worry a little more, but not nothing in it for me. I'm, I'm not concerned. So speaking of massive teams and staying with Chelsea, Raul, I hate to put you on the spot, but the TPC put out a Instagram post this week for the Chelsea women's team scoring 100 goals so far this season. What an achievement, because you've raved quite a bit about that team this year alone, and some of the players like Sam Kerr, Samantha Kerr, uh, Panil Ada, and just putting in those goals and the work, and credit to Emma Hayes, but 100 goals, a lot of people don't understand. I think Manchester City had done that last season, the season before, and it was really, really highly commended. Getting 100 goals in a season, especially when the season's not over, it's quite a, it's quite a, an achievement. It absolutely is, and I'm glad you brought this up because uh, they deserve the spotlight that we shed on them week after week, and they do the business. They saved the weekend for me, honestly, after that horrendous result. But the men's team, the women's team, comes out and wins 6-0 and in turn has now scored 100 goals, like you mentioned, in 31 games, Jackie. So you mentioned Man City, who did it in a full season of 38 games and no comparison or anything, but 31 games, that's an average of 3.22 goals per game. That's just crazy and ridiculous. The talent in that team, the mentality, the formations, and just the ability to kill teams, even when it's 4-0, make it 5, make it 6, keeps them hungry and keeps them going. So very, very proud of them. And now the ladies have gone away on international duty. Uh, but they will come back, and we had mentioned the Women's Champions League in the last episode. The draw has been made, and we will be playing Bayern Munich in the semifinals. I um, uh, let me just say, if I'm if I'm Thomas Tuchel at this point, I'm sure they've tried everything under the sun uh, to revive Timo Werner's goal scoring instinct. I say we buy him a season ticket to the Chelsea women's team and send him to every one of those matches because. They, they could teach him a thing or two. So, uh, and I agree with you there. Yeah, just yeah. watching some of those players score hat tricks week in, week out, Timo just needs to sit and get a couple of cues from them. All right, guys, this has been great discussion. Now we want to transition into a big, big game that's coming up tomorrow. So, for anybody who's interested, we're actually recording this on a Tuesday night. And tomorrow, 
we are playing Porto. And why this is such a big game is because I think it's the first time in several years Chelsea have made it. The Chelsea men's team have made it to a Champions League quarter final. This is what I've come and love to expect from Chelsea men's team of the years past. And I, for one, am super, super excited. Guys? I think uh, this is going to be a big one, This, especially coming off of a result like we recently had against West Brom. It's all the more importance on this game. And I, I would love, you know, I'm still Tuchel all the way. I think he has what it takes to motivate this team. I know the players have what it takes to get a result. Um, and I, I am... I am personally highly optimistic that we are going to take out our week's uh, frustration uh, in, uh, in this match. So, I certainly hope so that we do that. Raul, do you have some insight on the Porto game for us? I do, and I am also very excited to be back in the quarterfinals for the first time since 2014. So it's been a long seven years, but we're back and we're here. And we have a good draw. Nothing against Porto, no disrespect, but this was the draw most of the teams wanted. So we play Porto in Spain. Uh, as most of our listeners may know, The both the legs are actually being played in Sevilla, Spain, due to COVID restrictions and travel stuff in, in Portugal. Uh, so the last time we were in Sevilla at the Roman Sanchez uh, Pizjuan Stadium, a certain Mr. Olivier Giroud scored four goals. So it would be nice to see him come back into the team and do something similar. And we are away in this first game. So any number of goals we get will definitely be beneficial going into the home leg, which again would be in Spain, but uh, away goals rule count. So excited for that. And just a little bit of history. Porto have lost five of their eight Champions League games against Chelsea. Uh, They've won two and drawn one. But apart from that, they've lost them all. And Chelsea have won 75% of their Champions League games against Portuguese opposition. So good omens and signs for Chelsea. And I'm hoping that, you know, like Alex mentioned, we put that result of the West Brom game behind us and we come out and make it right in this game. So why don't you jump in, Rahul, and give us a predicted lineup? Uh, So I'd go with Mendy, Aspilicueta. I'd play Christensen. I know Thiago Silva could play, but with just 30 minutes under his belt in the past six weeks, maybe too too much for him. So, uh, Rudiger, we've been told, will start, so that'll be good to see. I think Reese James comes in. Kovacic keeps his spot. If Conte is fit, which is what we're being told, I play Conte any day. Uh, Chilwell, for me, plays as well because we just need that little bit of pace on the wing. We saw how Alonso was exploited by West Brom. Uh, Mount... Timo Werner, and I think Giroud. So the return of Olivier Giroud, that's pretty good to see that starting lineup. Alex, any disagreements, arguments, or any calls for somebody else? Maybe Pulisic? Uh, I mean, as much as I love Pulisic, after seeing his his little hamstring scare, um, he did grab a goal. I would love to see Pulisic as a second-half sub. Um, I'd love to see him get, say, 30 minutes at the end, maybe against a tiring Porto back line and see if he can really uh, put the hurt on them going into the second leg. Um, I would say, you know, maybe it's a little untested in recent times, but hudson Adoy uh, on the left would be something with his ability to cut in and shoot on the right. Um, 
I think it's it's been proven uh, that that he's got a, a goal scoring instinct when he can get in and around the box. Um, and honestly, I like Werner every week. I love to 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 say this this could be his chance. This could be his chance to really really show them, prove them wrong. I still think he's he's a quality player, but I would love to see Hudson Odoi, and I think especially with Giroud, um, Hudson Odoi might offer a little more in terms of link up. Um, I think Hudson Odoi and Mount as a combo could be seriously deadly when you're working off someone who's as good a finisher as Olivier Giroud. Yeah, I like this analysis you guys are bringing up because we do have that amount of talent that anybody can come in and really contribute. It is an away leg, Rahul, is that what you said? Yeah. So I think at least us trying to get that away goal or, or quick away goal and then at least get a hold of it, similar to what we did with Atletico Madrid, would be something that's brilliant to talk about. I agree. And I, I think Giroud coming in against Pepe, who's you know the, the master and the trickeries that he has up his sleeve, uh, Giroud would occupy him pretty well. And then we could have the likes of Mount or Werner or Pulisic or Havertz or whoever plays running off of him and creating chances and, and scoring goals. So uh, I'm hopeful and I hope that we can win this, if not at least get a draw, a, a scoring draw, which helps us in, in the home leg. Gentlemen, I have a little bit of a fun quiz to do here. Sometimes we do a blast from the past segment. Today, I think that the quiz will bring up some memories and some things. And Rahul, you brought up a lot of good information here with regards to some of the history and things. But I'm going to start with Alex first. So, Alex, the last time Porto faced Chelsea was in what year? Is it A, 2003, B, 2006, C, 2012, and D, 2015 oh boy oh boy I've got to go with I'm, I'm trying to think I remember a photo of us playing Porto um and I think we were wearing black kits so would that be there's no way would that be uh 20 2015 maybe you oh. sir are correct Ooh, so okay. Chelsea faced Porto in the group stages of the 2015 UEFA Champions League back on December 9th. And Chelsea were two nail, two nail winners on that night with an own goal coming from Morano and Willian scoring one goal. Good job there. All right. Rahul, I try to keep this fair. So the first ever meeting between these two juggernauts was in what year? Your options are A, 1999, B, 2002, C, 2004, or D, 2009? I, I knew the answer to Alex's question. <laughs> I don't to this one. So um, what was A, 1999? So I'll go quickly again. 99, 2002, 2004, and 2009. I want to say 2002. Sorry, that is oh, the wrong answer. <laughs> the correct answer was C, 2004. Oh, the really? UEFA, yeah, the UEFA Champions League gods wanted to send Jose Mourinho and a few of the players that we had purchased for a quick reunion. We beat them 3-1 on that day. Goals coming from Alexis Merton. Again, another name here you guys should to keep for a blast in the past segment. Didier Drogba and John Terry with Benny McCarthy scoring for Porto. So, all right. So, Alex, you're on the lead. I am no longer doing the multiple choice questions. This is going to be a little bit more difficult. 
There have been many notable players that have signed and shared playing time for both clubs, that's Porto and Chelsea. Name the only striker that has played for both clubs. There's only one player I know who's played for both clubs, but would that be Morales? No, the answer oh, is not he, Morales. He, yeah, <laughs> do I get the same question? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll answer some of the historical players we've had. We've got Ricardo Cavallo, Jose Bosungoa, Paulo Ferreira that have all played. You've got Raul Morales, but he, he's part of that as well. We've got the only striker that has played for both clubs is Radamel Falcao. So that was one. That's a funny one there. Rahul, again, like I try to keep it. Did, did he even play for us still? <laughs> <laughs> he made like three appearances, so it does count. <laughs> All right. So Rahul, we've had many famous coaches at Chelsea. Notably, one has been extremely successful in Jose Mourinho. Which other coach has managed both clubs? Like manager, right? Not he is the manager of both clubs. AVB. You are correct. Andres Vias Boas was the manager of both clubs. Good job. All right. So now we're tied 1 1. We're going into the next round, and this might be easier, might be difficult, not sure. Alex, can you name the player that is currently on loan at Porto from Chelsea? That's Malang Sar. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Rahul, this is your chance, my friend. Porto have a legendary center back in their team by the name of Pepe. You just talked about him. Which current Chelsea player has Pepe played alongside before? And there's a hint here. There are two. So I will take any answer. Just to touch on the Malang Sar, he is available to play in these two games. So yeah. it'll be good to see him if he, if he does get that run out. Uh, two players that have played with Pepe in the current Chelsea squad. So I just have to name one, right? You just have to name one. That's Kovacic. Correct. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> the other one was Marcos Alonso oh, when was he was at Real okay. Madrid. Yeah. So that's good. Now I have uh, a tiebreaker question here for you guys, and I'm going to let Alex get it first, Rahul, and if he gets it, he wins the game. However, if he cannot get it, it goes to you and you get the opportunity to win the game. So here's the tiebreaker. Alex, should we beat Porto over two legs, we might play either Liverpool or Real Madrid in the next round. Can you name a player that has played for all three clubs, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Real Madrid? I'm going to need a minute on this one. Ooh, It was a tough one, yeah. (laughs) Past or present? He does not play football anymore. Oh, I know. I know if you gave me enough time, I could get this. It might be 10 <laughs> minutes. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's see. I'm <sighs> Chelsea, Liverpool, Real Madrid. It's a tough oh. one, but I don't know this one either. <laughs> can you, can you give me a rough time period? Forget the, forget the, the, the competition. If that's All right. Too- so we're going to call this competition a draw, but I'm going to throw a hint out to both of you guys. This gentleman was signed from Bolton and had an extremely successful. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Rahul, give us the answer. Please. I'll let Alex go, go ahead. Alex. He's got it. Uh, no, no, no. All on you. Is it? It's Nicholas Anelka. That is correct. Nicholas Anelka has pulled on all three shirts. There we go. 
Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for letting me host that little quiz session. I'm glad that we had a little tie here, so it seemed a little bit fair. <laughs> that was good. That was yeah, good. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for the questions. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I hope this game doesn't end in a draw like with this competition did. But if it does, it's 2-2, and that would be good for us. So is that your prediction for the game, Rahul? No, I'm going to go with our standard 1-0. Alex? Uh, the the Tuchel specialty, I suppose. There, I'll, I'll uh, I am backing us to keep a clean sheet, but I think no matter what, we will win, um, by one goal. I would, maybe optimistically, go with a two nil, um, if we can get an early goal, and then maybe they'll feel a bit of pressure, uh, and not wanna not wanna be going down going into the second leg down a goal. I could. They've got some players. I could see them wanting to play a bit. So I'll go I'll go 2-0 uh, if Porto open up uh, yeah. just a little bit. Yep, I'm going to agree with you there, Alex, because I think losing 5-2 this weekend might also be a bit of a spur on for us to perform and try and get a couple of goals here. So for me, 2-0 as well. Yeah, that's a good shout. And just to touch on the Porto side real quick, two of their top goal scorers are suspended for this first leg. So it's an opportunity for us to kind of not kill the tie, but put ourselves in a position that, you know, we can qualify. And so these two players are Sergio Oliveira and Mehdi Tarim. So both players, and I believe Oliveira scored against Juventus too. So good players and they will be missed. But like I said, it's an opportunity for us to, to put this ourselves in the, in the whole position for this tie. So gentlemen, before we wrap up the episode, I want to bounce back really quickly to a couple of other results that happened in the Premier League this week. We want to talk about what's going on in around us as well. So we're going to start really quickly with Leicester Man City. And that was a big game, but Manchester City coming through, showing their class, winning 2-0. Thoughts on this, gentlemen? I think that's just, that's that's what champions do. I mean, I, I guess you could say Liverpool are the champions, but you know, for me, that's just the class that Guardiola and City have have exhibited for multiple years now. Uh, and, you know, there's there's no doubt in my mind, uh, even looking at a team that's also in the in the top three. You just knew City were going to come away with one there and, and their their quality shown through in that win. Yep. So champions elect there, Rahul. Yeah, I agree with Alex. Uh, Man City doing the business, unlike Chelsea, who were affected by the break. Man City just keep rolling through. Uh, the biggest disappointment for me was the fact that Leicester City lost and we could have closed that gap on them, but we slipped up as well. So that's a disappointing aspect of that result for us as Chelsea fans. But Man City, I believe, are now seven points away from the title. So a couple more games and that's it for them. We'll talk more about disappointing on and not closing the gap in just a minute when I go to another scoreline that happened. But real quickly, Arsenal versus Liverpool and Liverpool coming back to life here with a 3-0 win against Arsenal. You know what? This was... I mean, Liverpool were good, don't get me wrong, but Arsenal just didn't show up. It took them about 65, 70 minutes to get a shot on target. And so the whole plan was to just sit back and defend and defend and defend and it's a little disappointing if I'm an Arsenal fan because you've seen what Liverpool have been up to recently and you just don't take the game to them. But credit to Liverpool, they come out, win it, and are now closing in on that top four squad as well. 
Yeah, I was going to ask if this was the return of Liverpool, but Alex, today we found out that they were handsomely beat by Real Madrid 3-1. Yeah, that that was, I mean, certainly I think you would originally give give Liverpool credit for a good win against Arsenal, but seeing then how Liverpool were really undressed by Madrid for a good portion of today's game, you have to question whether Arsenal did enough. I don't think Aubameyang turned Travis Scott was uh, in the right uh, mindset to really take it to them that time. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> for anyone who's not a, a Travis Scott fan, you need to go look up Obama Young's new hairstyle <laughs> and then look up Travis Scott yeah. and you'll see the correlation right there. I, I, unfortunately, they, they must have put Travis on the pitch because I think you have to be testing the Liverpool back line as we've seen today. Um, Trent really getting quite exposed. Now, Arsenal don't exactly have Tony Kroos in their midfield. Um, I'm not sure Granite Xhaka and the likes are quite at that level, but uh, you you have to be testing Liverpool when they're in shaky defensive form, and Arsenal did not do that. Yeah, I think I would agree with that as well. Another one I want to talk about with you, gentlemen, is Newcastle versus Tottenham Hotspur. And this one ended 2-2 with Newcastle pinching it in, in literally the last kick of the game. Rahul? I was excited by this because finally a team around has slipped up. And for Newcastle, it's a good result because they, you know, are in and around those relegation positions with Fulham. Uh, but they pick up a good point and are bringing in some of their injured players back. So it's a positive sign for them and hopefully they can get themselves out of trouble. But from Spurs side, man, when you think it's going well for them, they just find a way to make it worse. And the interesting thing for me was after the game, they asked Jose in the past, he's been had, had teams that were able to hold on to results and uh, win games and what's changed. And he goes, same coach, different players, and then just walks away in typical Jose Mourinho fashion. Yeah. Sending a message, I would say, right, Alex? Yeah. I mean that, that I, I love Jose's entertainment factor, but that makes me appreciate having Tuchel who is able to very, very deftly deal with the media. I mean, I've been amazingly impressed with his ability to defuse any question. I thought it was uh, really funny when a reporter asked him about all the stories linking uh, Werner away, and he said, stop reading the stories. <laughs> um, I mean, he always has something to say. He, he had his analogy for if you're pursuing a girl and they don't want you, you have to step back. Uh, in terms of not trying to force Werner to score and put too much pressure on him. I mean, the guy always comes out with classy things to say. And while you couldn't maybe call Mourinho's, uh, well, you couldn't maybe call those comments classy, basically saying that his current players are not good enough for him. You know, it, it provides great entertainment to the rest of us who can sit back and watch the fireworks. It certainly does. And on the flip side, Tuchel's classy comments also provide quite a bit of entertainment, especially the one you talked about with, if a woman doesn't want to date you, leave her alone, which I found quite entertaining. The last one, Rahul, why don't you take us through it? Because this was the result that actually affected our position on the table. And you want to talk about your fantasy Premier League legend here. Ronald, I'm sorry. I mean, Jesse Lingard (laughs) uh, coming through and talk about an impact signing in the January window. He's come in and I think it's eight goals in eight games or something like that, or nine goal involvements in eight games. And he helps West Ham win 3-2 against Wolves. And an entertaining game in that West Ham went 3-0 up very early in that first half. I was actually texting you, Jackie, and I was like, I think I may win my fantasy game this week, but that didn't happen. 
and Wolves pulled back a couple of goals, but West Ham hold on to win it and move into fourth position. Yeah, and that one definitely stings because we lost an opportunity there to just keep a hold of fourth, especially with Leicester losing and dropping some points in Spurs as well. But before I allow you guys to sign off, let me run really quickly to the table. Manchester City sitting in top with 74 points, pretty much good as done because we've got Manchester United behind them with 60 points. So quite a bit of a gap there. Leicester sitting in third with 56 points. Chelsea drop out of the top four for the first time in a few weeks here. West Ham United flying this season with 52 points in fourth. Chelsea in fifth with 51 points. But Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool and Everton pretty close behind with 49 points and 47 respectively. At the bottom, Newcastle United sitting in 17th, getting out of that relegation battle with Fulham sitting in 18th, 26 points. West Bromwich Albion, that win does bring them up. They are a little bit closer to Fulham, but 21 points and Sheffield United with 14 points. Thanks for the rundown, Jackie. So even though Tuchel's streak is over at 14-1, and one, uh, we have a big game tomorrow. And as you've heard, we're all predicting a good Chelsea win at least, uh, which would keep us in pole position in this uh, tie against Porto. So be sure to uh, tune into the game tomorrow. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S., uh, and so we will be watching and we will be, as always, Alex will be on his Pulisic FC account, posting stories and following the game. Uh, and we will also have something on the Premier Chelsea account. So uh, be sure to interact with us. But Alex, uh, I think it's been a good debut for you as a permanent signing on here. Uh, your thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, well, thank you very much. I've, I've enjoyed it as always, and I'm excited to, to be back uh, again soon. But I... Yeah, as you said, I, I love posting my story highlights. And unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to be more careful about my course selection next year because I've got a French class that begins at 3 p.m., which is extraordinarily unfortunate. Um, so I will, I know my, my mother loves to, to listen to these podcast episodes. I can assure her that I will definitely not be watching the Chelsea game on my phone while on my French Zoom class. Um, and then... You know, I, it's 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 difficult, but I'm 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 certainly going to be supporting the team. I'm going to try to I'll try to get some content out if I can. But I'm I'm looking forward to this one, and I'm certainly looking forward to coming back with you guys and and discussing again soon. So thank you for having me on. Uh, p- pleasure to make my debut. Hopefully, we'll call it a debut assist. Maybe I'll 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 work to score some goals in the future. Sounds good. And Alex's mom, thank you for listening, and thank you everyone else for listening as well. Uh, That wraps it up. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us, and follow Alex as well. Uh, It's PulisicFC22 on Instagram, and for us, it's at the Premier Chels. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, please send us your feedback. We will continue to improve and, and enhance the podcast and add more content that you guys want. So please reach out to us. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels.